Welcome into Brewcast from Maze of Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani here with you on Monday night, November 23rd, headed into Tuesday morning. That's when the podcast will be dropping, but we are live on Twitch. Thank you for everyone that has uh, joined us here on Twitch here on this lovely Monday evening, a little victory Monday. Finally, yeah. it's been a while since we got to do one of these. That game was, uh, it was something we'll, we'll talk about it, but boys, how, how are we doing? We also got some uh, basketball starting up this week, man. This is going to be a good week. I feel like how are you guys doing? Yeah, life is good. Uh, Saturday was a bit of a fever dream for how weird it was. <laughs> it still doesn't feel real. Um, which is weird to say about a win over Rutgers, but here we are. Uh, we survived. We um, we got through it, and it's a holiday week now. So whatever happens this week um, is literally gravy in, in some aspects. Uh, basketball <laughs> starts up, and it's good to be back. And it's going to be the best Thanksgiving week ever because Michigan doesn't have to lose to Ohio State this week. So Ah, there it is. This is true, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I'm – I don't know about you guys. I'm still just amped about that big Rutgers win. I don't know about you. I mean, that was uh, – we'll talk about it here, but I I think at least in the three years since we've been doing this, probably even beyond that, the weirdest game we've ever covered. I mean, not – like it was objectively a, a good game. It was. But it was also, as you put in your blog, Anthony, a, a game that made you question a lot of your life's decisions. <laughs> why are you up? Why are we up at two o'clock in the morning uh, talking to people about a Rutgers, Michigan three overtime football game? But the one thing about this football team that you cannot deny um, is that they have provided us with a, a heavy amount of things to talk about. And this game was no exception, uh, a five hour football game. And I, it's funny because I, t- I texted you guys at halftime. I texted you guys at halftime being like, dude, that first that first half, oh, you know, it felt like four effing hours long. And it turned out the game was turned out to be five. So uh, definitely plenty uh, to talk about here in the aftermath of what was ultimately a Michigan victory in Piscataway. I actually, when you texted that, Chris, I didn't um, uh, like look at the time. Like I thought you just meant because of the way that the first half went, you know, right. like, like it was just, it was going so poorly that it felt like it took forever, but it legitimately well, it took le- like it, two and a yeah, half hours. I mean, even it went three overtimes, which obviously extended the game, but the first half was long enough and elongated by the fact that they were down by 17 at one point. I'll put it to you this way. I'll put it to you this way. At some point in the first quarter, I let, I, I was working from home. I left to get a pizza and literally missed two minutes of game time. Yeah. Now the, 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 the pizza place to be not to be named because no free ads is at the edge of the neighborhood, but still I didn't miss anything. And it was before they made a quarterback change. So you really didn't miss anything. Right. No, but like I said, when Michigan got down 17, nothing, I don't know. Like that was actually, I, it got lower than the Wisconsin game. And I wasn't sure I could get there. I was feeling pretty bad after the Wisconsin game, but I didn't know I could go lower. And I legitimately went lower. I was, I had no idea what was happening. It was a 17, nothing deficit to Rutgers. I, I didn't know where I was as, as a Michigan fan. It, it literally felt, uh, I, it, it probably felt worse than any Richrod game. I watched, to be honest with you. 
Right. And then our Lord and Savior, Cade McNamara, yeah. came in and right and and saved the game. And I guess that's probably where we got to start today. And what you know, what made this so weird was and I think, you know, I, I do my postgame videos and sometimes I look back on them and I say, oh, you know, maybe I was a bit off with that. I think what I said this week was pretty fair. And that's that it is it's OK to tip your cap to the guys in that locker room for how they fought. This was a team that was down 17, nothing. And unfortunately it wasn't a 17, nothing where it was like, like the Northwestern two years ago game where they were down 17, nothing against a legit Northwestern team that ended up going to Indy that year. Uh, That was kind of fluky. Like that was one they just let get away. The 17, nothing we saw this week was a reflection of just how poor this football team actually is. Now it's fair to tip your cap to the guys in that locker room because Cade McNamara came in, thought he played a great game. We know the the cycle of Michigan quarterbacking here. The praise, next big thing, bottoms out, you go to the next guy. But for one day, fair to say, guy played an excellent game, won him that football game. It's, it's fair to praise them for how they battled. It is also completely fair to say that how this game went is a reflection of how far this program has fallen even within the last year this was 52 to nothing the last time these two teams played in our in ann arbor obviously different circumstances different teams greg Schiano, far superior head football coach to chris ash but i think you know it goes both ways the mistakes michigan made on saturday were not fluky mistakes they were mistakes that were a reflection of how poor this team really is credit for battling back credit for winning but it it, it does show uh where, where we are now. And Anthony, you said in your blog that this was in the first half uh, looked like it was a bottoming out of the Jim Harbaugh era. I'd even argue it still was. I mean, to be down 17, nothing to Rutgers going three overtimes with Rutgers exerting every ounce of energy, every trick that you have up your sleeve, just to buy the hairier nuts, just to barely be Rutgers in three overtimes. That's that is essentially a bottoming out of the Harbaugh era. Good comeback, good work by Cade, but still a, uh, a a frustrating game nonetheless for a football team that was flailing there for a few weeks. Yeah, um, that's pretty much everything I had to say. I mean, it was one of those games where I usually come on after the game and do a quick little post-game pod by myself. I was so baffled and flabbergasted and honestly tired too mm-hmm. uh, by what we had just watched that um, – Steven came in and did the pod with me. Cause I, how are you supposed to, because what I wanted to do is cause Steven's really good at um, looking at things from like a, how the film looks standpoint execution. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, we'll call it what it is. I'm an emotional uh, wreck in good, good times and in bad. Um, not that Saturday made me emotional, but um, it's really one of those things where you sat, you sit there and go, well, I guess the result was good, but what – I mean, short of the Illinois game under Richrod where – what was it, 67-66 or something like that? Yeah. Similar feeling to that. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously not as crazy, not as chaotic. Um, Comparable. And, and like yeah. I said, we are – and you can make the argument that nothing's changed. Um, nothing has changed, really. I mean, the, the problems with the coaching staff still are what they are. The problems with the defense are what they are. A lot of the problems that they have right now, they just, they, it's not possible for them to be corrected this year. So um, 
you go into it knowing that this is not a good football team. Uh, but you also, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, we don't apologize. The, the saying I always say is we don't apologize for wins in this house. Uh, it was a win. It's much better than what the alternative could have been for them. Um, but like I said, the fact, and I'm not going to go as far as, oh, Jim Harbaugh's jumping up and down on the sidelines celebrating a, a field goal made in overtime against Rutgers. Like, how far has it fallen? It's, it's a competitive football game. People, right. all they do is bitch and moan that the guy doesn't look like he has a pulse, doesn't look like he has the competitive juices flowing anymore. Um, you know, credit to them. They're not a good football team. That was the most player didn't... I saw in him out of all year. Yeah, several years. Sure. You could make that argument, but I'm, I'm just not, you know, the columns that come out, the think pieces that come out about, oh, that was atrocious. That was embarrassing. Everyone should still be fighting. Like, can we just not do that for a week? That, that's all. I mean, not, not we, to say that we don't agree with right. it either. Oh, I, we, we know the show we did last week. Right, and exactly. People have heard the shows that I've been doing for the month that preceded Saturday night. So if you follow us at all, you know how we feel about this. Mm. Um, but again, we know this is a mash unit right now. They don't have any of their stars on defense outside of Dax Hill. None. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, Quiddy Pay are still out. Um, Cam McGrone was carted off the field. I don't know if he'll be back this year. We'll see. Uh, Brad Hawkins left with an injury. Dax Hill's pretty much all you have left. So you pretty much are playing behind a, a backup offensive line too. Sure. I mean, three, um, either two redshirt freshmen and one true freshman on the offensive line. Um, I'm sorry, like Chuck Filiaga is the senior or the, the veteran on that line and he's not playing very well. It's just, this team is what it is at the moment. So for us to get on, like it just, everyone wants their pound of flesh at all times. Let's, I get it. Like it's, it's Rutgers. And here's the stat for you. It, the five games that Michigan's played against Rutgers under Jim Harbaugh heading into Saturday night, they gave up 36 points total Saturday night. They had surrendered 35 points before the end of regulation. It is what it is. Your, your eyeballs are not deceiving you. Um, it's possible to be critical. Again, the message of the week is it's possible to be critical about what you're seeing on the field while also still being happy for those guys, because a four straight loss, it would have been, I mean, it's already been a devastating year, a four straight loss and it coming to Rutgers would have been truly forget Appalachian state, forget Toledo, forget those, though that would have been probably the lowest moment of Michigan football in the last 50 years. So yeah. they got the win. They were able to get through it. I, I think it's okay. Yeah. I, I think it's okay to be, you know, kind of happy with uh, the way Cade McNamara played too. Sure. sure. You know, I, I think it's okay to be cautiously optimistic. Like, look, the season sucks. You have a chance yes. to win your next two though. Right. And you, you found something, you know, we, we actually saw it in the Wisconsin game to be quite honest with you, but uh that's going to provide, I think, something moving forward, at least offensively, uh, just yeah. a, a little more foundation. You They're know? much closer and, to figuring things out there than they are. Like right. the other, the it, other side of the ball is a complete lost cause, right? Yeah. Now. Like, like yeah. under Cade McNamara, they they outscored Rutgers thirty-five to eleven in, or excuse me, thirty-five eighteen 
uh, in regulation, 35 to 11, if not for that, you know, last drive that the defense kind of just fell down on, you know, gave up fourth and or third and 15, the runs a quarterback draw. I believe it was, was that on the final drive? I knew it happened once. Yeah. Well, the two point conversion was the third and 15. That one they, too. Yeah. Well, you had seven, you had seven guys who got their arms around them. Yeah. Apparently, apparently Noah Verdal is Mike Allstott near the goal line. <laughs> like, look, the, the defense is going to suck the rest of the year. That's just the way yeah. it is. But, but it's okay to uh, be somewhat, excited about Cade McNamara and what he's going to do. And he's presumably going to be the starter next year, at least until, you know, JJ McCarthy is ready to take over. But Cade McNamara, like I've seen people point out, he's a four-star recruit. He's the all-time leading passer in Nevada's high school history. Like this guy's not a scrub yeah. and he, he's got, he's got good command of the offense. I think I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do against Penn state. Uh, but for Joe Milton, man, I just feel so bad for him. Um, I don't know what it was. I don't know if he just lost all confidence, but he just wasn't getting anything going, man. This is like, I honestly, like he wasn't, the, the numbers weren't great, but he wasn't playing that bad when he got right. He, he just yeah. wasn't like taking advantage of opportunities, yeah. I guess is, is probably the way to look at it. And I really haven't seen anyone fall. I don't want to say fall from grace. Cause like you said, he wasn't playing terrible, but where he was post Minnesota game, to where he was a few possess into the second quarter of this Rutgers game. I haven't seen like that. It, it, it reminds me of it. I understand he started all year long, but it's like Tate Forcier after he won the Notre Dame Good game his freshman now. year down to, yeah. to what he was by the end of the year. I, I think to, to comment on that, you make, you make a lot of really good points. I, I think that, uh, but Cade played great. He did. He came off the bench, played a wonderful game. Um, in terms of Milton, I think we've seen some Michigan quarterbacks here over the last, you know, Jesus, last 15 years, really. But let's say last five or six who are kind of lost causes. Um, like, I don't you even saw if you watch the what was it? The Hulu documentary. John O'Corn was just kind of a lost cause. I mean, from the beginning, like, I don't think there's anything you could have gotten out of him. I and I think even Patterson as highly recruited as he was. I don't know if they managed him as well as they could have. But I think his skill set was fairly limited, sadly. Um I think somewhere in Joe Milton is really a wonderful quarterback. Um, sure. I, I think that uh, I don't know exactly what's happened. I don't know if it's a confidence issue. I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, but uh, you know, he's fallen off and, and you hand things over to Cade who played a wonderful football game. I mean, didn't save the season 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 ended the second they lost to Michigan state, but it's like, you know, played a solid football game, won him the game. I will say though, it is kind of an indictment on the current uh, regime that this is, they had a year. Shea Patterson was a senior quarterback. The second the Alabama game ended, that's, that's where you got to make your moves, right? That's where you got to decide. All right, we got a year here, 10, 10 months, eight months. We got to decide a quarterback. I understand COVID pandemic, all that. They still practiced. Like they were still aware of what the situation was. They were still aware of who was competing for the quarterback position. Things got a lot easier. One of your guys transferred. So all of a sudden it's a two person race. They had eight months to decide and they still went with the wrong guy. That is like, and again, this has kind of happened before 2017. They were, they were pushing spate out the door. Spate played terrible down the stretch in 16. This, they, this, they were dying for an excuse to go with a corn. stunk. So they went with Peters, who wasn't any good, ended up transferring. And really, 
The same thing kind of happened early last year. How often did we hear Gaddis being like, oh, 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 Dylan McCaffrey is he's going to be a key piece of this offense. We're going to we're going to play him at receiver. He's going to be a decoy in the army game. Inexplicably, for no reason, they put him in to throw a slant route 10 yards over Ronnie Bell's head. It was like they were dying. They were dying to give him a shot. So this is the second or third time in which you have essentially punted your quarterback position, you know, handed it off to somebody who probably wasn't completely prepared. Like as great as Cade was and as underwhelming as Milton is, I think a lot of that falls on coaching. You have heard from several people, some of them anonymous, some of them not, that there is kind of a culture of entitlement here. Certain guys who believe that they have earned the right to play certain spots or get a certain amount of playing time simply because they've been at the program for several years. I don't think I don't think it's a Milton problem here. I don't think he's an arrogant guy. I think he's worked hard to get where he's been, but it just like McNamara played like a pro, like immediately on Saturday. He kind of did immediately against Wisconsin. It I understand you prepare for a certain quarterback, but everything opened up. The passing game opened up. The slant routes opened up. We're working the running game, which had been abysmal for three weeks. They started running the ball effectively when McNamara came into the game. It's like all this stuff didn't happen when you had another quarterback in there. It just, it's, it's stunning to me how this has happened. It's seemingly multiple times over the last several years. Well, I'll say this too. Um, really there's been, and there was, I hate to even go down this road, but there was a comment thread uh, on the website today that was basically accusing the media of overhyping Joe Milton and that Cade McNamara was clearly the better guy. Listen, they did not play spring football and they, and until September 30th, they didn't even practice in pads. So to, to have a quarterback competition, uh, listen, I mean, I assume it just off the top of my head, I'm guessing the snaps were probably, you know, when Dylan was still in the room, I'll say conservatively, maybe this is on the low end, probably 40, 40, 20. It was probably even more skewed towards maybe even, you know, 45, 45, and then 10 for Cade. Um, Cade is a redshirt freshman and didn't have the off season to, um, to prepare, to get those reps in. I mean, the, the only way to, develop is through repetition. Now I'll, that's not an excuse for all of that. Um, I think it becomes on, this is going to become a long winded thing about how they've recruited quarterbacks, because you look at all the quarterbacks they've recruited uh, under Jim Harbaugh, Brandon Peters, by all means, or by all accounts, a talented guy, a, a guy who had the tools to be great, but still was raw coming into college. Same deal with Dylan McCaffrey, arguably maybe one of the top three or four best athletes on the team. Still raw, needed to uh, to do some developing. Joe Milton comes in in 2018, can throw a football a quarter mile, but has all of these other you know things he needs to work on. It really wasn't until you go back and you look at Cade McNamara, and again he's not you know as flashy as or as high upside if you want to put that in air quotes as some of those other guys were, but this is a guy who in the state of Nevada broke a lot of passing records and because it's Nevada people don't talk about that and when you look at his film and I wrote about this back in May um, you you see a guy who just who looks comfortable running an offense who can make the appropriate throws um, and there's something to be said for that and I, I think you know you fast forward to now what was the criteria in this quarterback battle um, 
and really what I've just seen in the last couple of weeks of Cade McNamara is that he just runs the offense and he looks comfortable running the offense. Now, when people ask what happened, you know, leading up, I mean, once Dylan McCaffrey was out the door and it sounds like Joe was maybe kind of pulling away anyways. Right. Um, I think there was maybe some other stuff that went on behind the scenes. We'll probably never know about that because of Fort Schimbeckler. But, you know, once, once he's out of the picture, we have a season in, you know, whatever it was, five or six weeks. Mm-hmm. They're just giving the reps to the guy who has been in the system more, who, you know, obviously, like, there's no denying the talent that Joe Milton has. I mean, he can throw a pigskin, to quote Uncle Rico, a quarter mile. He can throw it over the mountains. He, you know, he looked like he could be a factor in the QB run game. And I know that Minnesota sucks. We've been talking about that for weeks. But look less at the yardage and the output in that game and look at the execution. Michigan's offense and Joe Milton got everything they wanted in that game, and they did it with a purpose, and they looked confident doing so. Since that game, that has not happened. And and really, up until the Wisconsin game, I don't think Joe was playing that poorly. I think, obviously, getting down in those games against Michigan State and Indiana – that didn't help. You couldn't be balanced. And that's the other thing you saw on Saturday say when you're able to run the football, it opens everything up. And, and really it's more of a using the pass to set up the run type deal. Exactly. Um, so if this is all a very long way of me saying, if it took the fact that it took five weeks to find a quarterback or, and who maybe who knows is this is even, even sustainable at the end of the day, this is Rutgers. It's a bad team, a bad program. I don't care how much, more improved how competitive they are they're not you know they're not what maryland is this year they're not even what you know any of these other middle mid-tier big 10 teams are it's one of the two or three worst teams in the big 10 which you very well might be as michigan too we don't know um but at the end of the day like the guy just the level of comfort within the system the decisiveness the ball coming out quickly it's not even close to who's looked like the better guy um, obviously in the last couple of weeks and really this year period. So again, it's just a long winded way of me saying what maybe it's more criticism of what they're looking for in a quarterback. We know we've heard this stuff about paying, playing favorites. We've heard this stuff about it being a meritocracy and putting, putting in your time, paying your dues. Um, the fact of the matter is I, Joe Milton is talented. He played well in the first week. And while there's a lot of things he had to work on, you felt like with enough game reps, maybe he would be able to hone it all in and be the star that he looked like he could be. He hasn't. He had his chance. They moved on to a new guy. The offense looks better, and you move forward. And you, you've got a chance for the next couple of weeks to win a couple football games and maybe ride a little bit of that momentum into next year. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you saw the speech from Cade McNamara following the game. What if we went out? Yeah, it's a pretty big if. It's almost an impossible <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, the way your defense is playing football right now, it just is what it is. But end of the day, man, I'm I'm excited to go. I, I'm actually excited to watch a full game from Cade McNamara on Saturday against Penn State. Sure. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to it's It's probably going to be a stupid football game. These two teams suck. You know, it is what it is, but I, I want to see what he does, like, with the entirety of the game not having to come in off the bench on the sideline. Yeah, and it look, it's – you couldn't have handwritten a better opportunity for him. You know, I mean, going up against an 0-5 Penn State team, it's not just – the thing is, going up against 0-5 Penn State 
it's a lot different than zero and five Rutgers. Like you could still say if they if they have success this week, you could still say, hey, went out and beat Penn State. Um, it's it's a it's the definitive football game to me of 2020, where it's two teams that had relatively high expectations that fell off a complete cliff and are just trying to kind of find themselves here at the end of the season. Penn State is the weirdest zero and five team maybe ever. Like they're bad. They shouldn't be this bad. I don't think they're that bad. And yet every time I've, I've looked at their schedule and been like, all right, they'll get, they'll get it back this week. They've come up completely short. Um, I think if there's, and I don't, I don't make excuses for this, but I think it's, I think if there's one team that probably handled the pandemic stuff poorly, I think Penn state probably falls into that category because they have looked completely unprepared in every one of the football games that they've played so far. Like it is a good opportunity for Michigan and wins at this point. I know there's some division amongst the fan base and we've all laid out our opinions on Jim Harbaugh at this point, but for the program to succeed, winning is of the utmost importance. This is not the Detroit Tigers. This is not uh, the NBA. This is not the, the, the lions. You don't, you don't win by losing you win by winning and they got to try to find a way to, to carve out a few more victories here. One question though, I had for all you guys, how, what is the criteria for making a bowl game this season? Is it 500? Is it win four games as opposed to six? Probably with a team like Michigan win enough games that we can justify you being there because you're a big right. brand that people will Money watch. Team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so mean, that's, I would, that's yeah, really would, what's going to be. I, I also, I would, yeah. I also want to say say this. I found this funny here today, and this is why I think no matter what, no matter unless the program gets into like an abyss, like even worse than like what they have been this year, which I know seems difficult to get to, but it, it is possible that Michigan's never just going to fire Jim Harbaugh. I don't think because I was I'm, I'm sitting on here today, and I'm and I hop on ESPN. And I see this thing, man, and it's the headline coaching carousel and it has the Jim Harbaugh watch. So I click on the article and I get it. The Jim Harbaugh watch, right? I go down. There is nothing about James Franklin and Penn state. This man has zero wins was a top 10 team coming into the season. If he loses Saturday, he's going to be two and four against Jim Harbaugh. We have the Jim Harbaugh watch, nothing on James Franklin of Penn state because he doesn't sell clicks. Like at the end of the day, what it comes down to is Michigan, no matter how they perform on the field, is going to be nationally relevant as long as Jim Harbaugh's there. And quite honestly, I think that's what a lot of people behind the scenes ultimately want. Yeah, there's there's Harbaugh brings a brand with him that few other coaches bring. I mean, it it, it goes back to and I know a lot of that 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 light is kind of, you know, maybe not shining as bright as it used to, but there is still a built-in audience there. James Franklin should speak should write out checks weekly to Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley. Like, well, like, or, or the, the guy who blocked the field goal against Ohio state, like, like they essentially. No, just send it to urban Meyer for not calling a timeout in that situation and running exactly. field goal like team he, with like 10 seconds of the play call. Yeah. Like he's about as weird a football coach as there is in America because he does stuff like on a weekly basis that I think is ridiculous. And yet guy recruits his ass off and he, he's won a fair amount there. And yet, I don't know if he's a good football coach. He's won 11 games three times. I'm still like, well, maybe, I don't know. And um, 
the way things have started has uh, this year has not done him any favors. And as much as people have ripped Harbaugh for being, you know, a very boisterous personality, and James Franklin is like the king of that. I mean, that he tweeted today uh, uh, another total tone deaf at following it own five that stupid Michigan, 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 Michigan stuff. Like this is this is an opportunity potentially for Michigan to completely. If they're if because they, at this point in the year the goals are behind you you're not going to win the Big Ten you got to try to find some motivation this is the opportunity for them to potentially really you know bury a knife into the Penn State program like that's that's kind of the motivation you have at this point and of course you know Ohio State but we know how that's going to end right do do we think that Saturday is a loser leaves town game I I think I would say and I'll, I'll let you answer in a second Luke but I, I think. I, I haven't, like you, like Luke brought up, I haven't read a ton about Franklin being on the hot seat. I don't know what the uh, atmosphere is like on campus. I don't know how, I know several Penn State fans who hate him, but you know, you know, the random Penn State guy that you meet at a bar is not necessarily a good barometer for how the, the athletic administration is feeling. I would say no, but I would say loser. Are you, are you accusing the Penn State administration of looking the other way? <laughs> that's not, well, it's weird. Cause it's never happened before. Right. Uh, no, I would say, um, I would, I would say that loser leaves town with a much hotter seat than what they came in with. Hey, okay. I don't know, like much pre Joe Paterno at Penn state. Have they ever fired a head coach? Like well, they, they didn't have to fire one for 50 years. Until, right. And then, well, and then, and then Bill O'Brien just left for the NFL and they yeah. hired Franklin. Yeah. It took like the worst, most horrifying, disgusting, terrible scandal in the history of college sports for them to be like, so, all right, maybe we'll fire him. So it's like, it's like how much, like, we don't know how trigger happy they are on firing coaches like James yeah. Franklin. He won a big 10 championship. He might just get to stay for as long as he wants. And again, the argument for it, the argument for Franklin is somewhat similar to the argument for Harbaugh, where it's like, look, we know what awful looks like. But now, the awful at Michigan is much different than the awful at Penn State. The awful at Penn State was like humanity, terrible, despicable, like you throw up in your mouth thinking about it kind of awful. But he has brought a relatively clean pro- – well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that after the thing that was posted last week. But I think in general uh, – for the most guys have relatively stayed out of trouble. The team has been successful. They're winning eight to 11 games a year. It is kind of similar to the argument that Michigan fans have had for Harbaugh, except until this year where both, I, both teams have been a dumpster fire. I do have something. Uh, do you know why you're not hearing about James Franklin being fired contract? His buyout for this year is $32 million. Yeah. <laughs> um, according to this is right from Penn live. So um, in a pandemic year where everyone's losing, like Jim Harbaugh's different. Like he has one year left on his contract. James Franklin, Penn state has to fork over $32 million. If they fire him this year, that's not happening. Right. I, that's maybe at some, and I'm not saying that Penn state doesn't care about football, but maybe at some wackadoodle school like Texas, where football is, is life and, and all that. Um, that's not happening at Penn state. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. Well, That's a good point. it's going to be a interesting game. 
on Saturday. No question about that. But before we get to Saturday's football game, we've got ourselves a little uh, Michigan basketball season starting up on Wednesday. Well, no, wait. I'll, I'll get to it before we take a break here. If you need a fresh start on your season with the basketball season coming up, Anthony does have uh, some ways you can help uh, with your apparel tier on your team. See, you were teeing me up and I was, I was being impatient. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, you guys know about our friends over at home field uh, for you guys on Twitch. I'm modeling the hoodie that I got from them that came in last week. Uh, it is quite literally, and I've said this before, the most comfortable thing I've ever owned. And right now, Here's a little backstory on home field. Uh, what they give you are Connor and friends over there. They're giving you premium licensed collegiate apparel. They're out of Indianapolis. So there's a lot of Michigan, you know, Michigan football hasn't been to Indianapolis, but there's a lot of Michigan apparel being cranked out of Indianapolis right now. Like I said, it's comfortable. It's officially licensed. U of M has their support. Um, what home field's done is they've dug through Michigan's archives to find unique logos, mascots, and they make thoughtful designs out of it. I mean, like I said, the collection, you have to check it out. It looks awesome. Uh, I have – forget Michigan. and Never forget Michigan. This is Maze Brew. We talk about Michigan. But if you're, you have fans in your life that are fans of other schools, that went to other schools, are you just like you know, Tulane and, and the picture of a, a wave you know, putting its fists up? Home field has shirts like that for you. So, like I said, most comfortable shirts you'll ever own. I have a couple of crewnecks from them. As I've said before, like being swaddled in a cloud, like I said, everything they, they put out is great. It's high quality. And you're supporting us. Uh, you know, you're not supporting a big brand. You're supporting uh, a business owned by local people in Indianapolis, good people, um, very hardworking people. So what we have for you, um, get your Black Friday shopping, your Cyber Monday shopping done. Holidays are coming up. Uh, we're asking you to go to homefieldapparel.com. We have a promo code for you. You can get 30% off their entire store, not just the Michigan stuff, not just, you know, Michigan state. If you're, you have someone in your family who's got a few screws loose. BFMNB is the promo code for you. That's promo code BFMNB at homefieldapparel.com. The Black Friday sale is going on now through Cyber Monday, November 30th. So check out our friends over at homefieldapparel.com. And now I'll stop talking because I don't want to interrupt Luke again. Well, we've just got to take a little quick break here. And uh, after we do, we'll be uh, ready to talk a little Michigan basketball starting up their season. Uh, Another team with some more high expectations. Keep it here on Brewcast. And we're back in on Brewcast. Luke Yardy, Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani. Uh, if you're listening on the pod, you had a little break there. If you're following along on Twitch, well, uh, not as much of a break anyway. But uh, you get we to do see have... how the donuts are made if you're on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, I'm excited because we've got some college basketball starting up. And, you know, as of right now, we're still, uh, at least myself, I'm a little bit weary, you know, um, with all the news that's coming out. But if we get off to a relatively uh, not non-bumpy start uh this is going to be what i think could be a a, a very fun basketball season in the big 10 because there's a lot of good teams it's kind of up in the air a lot of people like iowa a lot of people like illinois but for the most part man i i think that the big 10's kind of up for grabs here this year and i like michigan's team to be quite honest with you yeah i did uh i did a podcast earlier today with my friend uh tony garcia did an interview where he, he asked about this. And you know, again, you know, look, the Big Ten, the Big Ten in basketball is an 
effing gauntlet every year, dude. Like every, even in down. Especially year. with 20 conference games. Exactly. Dude, it is brutal. I will say just in terms of the conference, I put Illinois like cl- as close to head and shoulders as it gets in terms of favorites. Dude, I know a lot of people like Iowa and Luca Garza is a machine. Team doesn't play defense and they never do. And they like Fran McCaffrey's flat out admitted that they never do. They've been in the hundreds, in the hundreds in defensive efficiency over the last several seasons. So I, I can't pick a team like that to win the big time. And to me, Illinois, the job Brad Underwood's done there, um, the way they've adjusted, that's a dangerous basketball team. We know how dangerous Michigan State always is, despite what they've lost. It'll be another classic Izzo team. They'll get off to a slow start. Everyone will think they'll, they're awful and they're having a down year, and then they'll be in the Elite Eight. Uh, Wisconsin is always a pain in the butt. As far as Michigan, I think they're – you look back at last year, and we, we talked about pretty much every game they played. It is miraculous to me, looking back on it, that that team probably would have ended up with, what, like a seven seed, six seed? That was a basketball team that was the second worst shooting team in the Big Ten, both, I think, in terms of a field goal percentage and three-point field goal percentage. They got murdered on the boards, game in and game out. Uh, They didn't really have a – the only – elite shooter they had was Isaiah livers and he was out for half the season. It's amazing that they were as successful as they were. I think their floor this season is last year's team. I think they will jump well above that floor. And I think their success, because I think this will be a good team. Their success will depend almost entirely on how the newcomers fare. We know what we're going to get out of Isaiah Livers. The guy's a freak athlete, good shooter, great leader, good player. Franz Wagner's going to – this will be his last year at Michigan. All accounts have shown that his ceiling is insanely high, incredibly talented player. How Mike Smith and Zeb Jackson and Hunter Dickinson, and even more importantly, Shondi Brown, who I think defensively is going to add more to this team than almost any other newcomer, um, and he can score as well. Uh, will dictate how successful this basketball team is going to be. I really am looking forward to it. It's, it. It was like this with college football too, where it didn't hit you that things were coming until like a day or two before they got there. So I re- I am looking forward to see how year two of the Juwan Howard era affairs. It doesn't help to uh, in terms of feeling like it wasn't coming or it came quickly that uh, the schedule is literally announced like a week before they started playing. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I don't even know if they, I, I bet, I think they were surprised they were going to end up playing this season, honestly. Yeah. So not, not a ton of tune up games here. I mean, um, you open with Bowling Green on Wednesday, you play Oakland, Ball State. Those are, I mean, those aren't the buy games. Like you're not playing Arkansas, Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, but. You know, though you'd think you'd you'd win. The, I'm not going to go through the schedule here, but you have five non-conference games: Bowling Green, Oakland, Ball State, Central Florida, and North Carolina State. All of those are going to be at home. So, whereas before you were looking at, you know, they were going to go to London and play Kentucky. They, I believe, they were supposed to go to uh, Oregon this year. Um, you know that that schedule. You know, it, it's not yeah. a ton of tune-up games. Uh, I mean, Big Ten play starts on December 13th. So there's not a ton of time to, um, in terms of those, like I said, the, the get right, the tune-up games. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Um, I think they're a deeper team this year. Again, the questions I have about them are at uh, who's going to handle the ball primarily. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think that Eli Brooks is going to start at the point. I, I kind of 
have a feeling that maybe Mike Smith comes off the bench. I don't know yet. Again, nobody knows what anything's going to look like until we see, um, you know, them tip off on Wednesday at four. But again, I think that Franz Wagner is going to take a step forward. I think that Hunter Dickinson, don't be surprised. I know he's a true freshman, but don't be surprised if there's a little bit of Ignace Brasdakis as a true freshman uh, in him, because I didn't realize this. He's 20 years old. Already. I, I was just going to bring that up, man. He's, really? Like, he's, he's physically at this point as a human being, yeah, probably he, ready to play in the big 10. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks the part. And like Good I said, point. he's been, he's been here since the summer. So he's been working with uh, John Sanderson and, and it sounded like in the scrimmage over the weekend, he more than held his own. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts on, I, I think it, the best case scenario for them is that he does start. Uh, because I think you can count on Austin Davis for oh, dude, probably he's a big spark plug, man. Yeah. I mean, 10 to 15 good minutes. I think that yeah. anything more than that though is, you know, and it also sounds like they're going to have a little bit of uh, Brandon Johns playing the five. So I, I feel, I feel pretty confident that this is a team that, that can go nine deep, maybe 10 deep depends on how these freshmen come along. It sounds like Zeb Jackson is further along than I thought he would be. Terrence Williams sounds like one of those you know, high energy, um, you know, motor guys off the bench. I think this has a chance to be a really good basketball team. And, and you know, in terms of predictions in a 25 games, it, it's impossible. We don't, I mean, something could happen and they don't play these games, this game Wednesday or Sunday. Let, let's just say something happens. Um, it's so unpredictable. Now I think that they've built in, you can look for the schedule. I think they have built in a little bit of time to, to move things around, but um, it's hard to say. I mean, I think in a 25 game season, if this team is as good as I think it's going to be, and I haven't even talked about Isaiah livers yet, who arguably is probably still the team's best player, but last year he had to, you know, he slimmed down. He got so much more athletic um, to, to take on a bigger role uh, on those broad shoulders of his and kind of carry the team offensively. And and we saw what things looked like when he wasn't on the floor. And I'm not, I think he, it sounds like he's healthy. I'm not concerned about any problems with him, but I do think when you look at this team this year, they're probably a, l- a little better positioned to not only support him, but also soften a blow. If, if something happens really to anyone um, yeah. outside of a position group, getting wiped out to COVID. So in a 25 years, uh, 25 game season, I I have no qualms about saying this might be an 18 to 19 win basketball team. 20 wins is, you know, if you win 20 games, uh, 20 games in a 25 game schedule, I mean, you're talking about something that might be pretty special, but like I said, uh, if the, I'm just going to, you know, if this team, if it's between the floor being what they were last year and what they were, you know, those last couple of years under beeline, I think that maybe 18 or 19 wins heading into the big 10 tournament is probably attainable for them. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Go, go ahead, dude. I've, I've been talking a lot. Go ahead. Uh, I think anything above 15 wins on the season is going to be a success. When you look at the schedule, man, like Chris said, it's going to be a gauntlet, you know, outside of those five games to start, you have NC state and the ACC big 10 challenge. Uh, it's, it's not going to be easy uh, regardless, but I do, I do like, the roster makeup they're gonna the, the big thing is is how much does juan howard improve from year one to year two because i saw 
a lot of good things from Juwan Howard last year. And I saw some things that he could obviously improve on to have Phil Martelli back with him is obviously going to help a lot as well. Uh, having a whole year uh, that they've been working together and hopefully he's been learning a lot from the legend that, you know, uh, Martelli is, uh, but like offensively last year, Chris, you mentioned that, they were the second worst shooting team in the big 10. That wasn't for a lack of looks. They weren't like forcing contested shots from the outside or anything like that. They had a lot of open looks. They just couldn't hit water. If they fell out of a boat, man, it was bad. It was tough to watch. But if this team can convert those opportunities, if he keeps that offense, if he keeps scheming that sort of thing up, this definitely has a chance to be a successful team. I think back to the Michigan state game last year uh, in the one where Michigan won, I thought Juwan Howard coached a fantastic yeah. game uh, in, in that one. And it really showed his growth from, from like the beginning uh, to where he got there. And if he has improved and continues to improve throughout the season, Michigan does have a real good outlook on the year. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Just a couple quick points to add. We talked about that a little bit last year where it's like, look, this team, they came up short in a lot of games. They probably lost a few games that they let slip through their fingers. But I had zero issues with how Juwan coached that team because you look at the offensive schemes, you look mm-hmm. at, you go play by play. They had good looks. They distributed the basketball. What was lacking was execution. You can make up for that, especially when you look at the caliber of recruit that they've got coming in, not just this year, but over the next several seasons. You brought up Austin Davis, Anthony. You took the words right out of my mouth. To me, this team's ceiling is much higher if Austin Davis is coming off the bench. And I I like Austin Davis a lot. He's improved immensely as a player, but he is like the perfect backup center. Like he does not strike me as a – 30 like 30 minute a night type of guy who's going to be you know eat, eating up rebounds for you the way that uh previous big men uh under beeline maybe did so i know I'm, I'm with you on all those one last thing i like this schedule because i think when you have a team that is so uh, that is as inexperienced at so many of the important positions the way this team is I think it's it's good that you have a schedule that's backloaded. I think to, if and it's where this uh, another school in this state has kind of suffered in the past is that they schedule these games first game of the year against Duke, first game of the year against Kentucky. Like last year, Michigan State asked Rocket Watts to start, I believe, in his first college game against the number one team in the country. In, in uh, it was either Duke or Kentucky. I think it was Kentucky, but. And they ended up losing. I think it's important and it is advantageous that they're going to have about five or 10 games here to really figure things out before they go through that, that gauntlet where you go up against your Wisconsin's and your Iowa's and your Illinois and your Michigan States, a thing set up nicely for this to be a good basketball team this year. I think the true kind of transformation of the Juwan Howard, we probably won't see till year three, but I think this is going to continue to be a nice kind of teaser trailer for what's to come. I really am looking forward to it. Yeah, and one, one, one final, uh, final point here. One more. Um, they don't play a road game until Christmas Day, which is absurd that they're even playing on Christmas Day. Absurd that they're playing on on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that uh, is think, nuts. Yeah, I think that's total horseshit. But that's neither here nor there. It's on the schedule. Um, we talk about with football how things are different without the fans. I think that applies a thousandfold to Big Ten basketball because. Nebraska is typically, uh, regardless of what the the product is like, that's a tough place to play. Maryland is a absurdly tough place to play. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, 
at Wisconsin, at, I mean, three of the last four games at Ohio state at Indiana at assembly hall, man, it's yeah. at Michigan state. You're not dealing like I was at Breslin last year for the first time I ever, it's, loud, and man. it's the loudest college basketball atmosphere I've ever been a part of. Um, that's not going to be a factor this year. So I wonder if that just, I mean, if that just favors, um, maybe it'll be a little bit more of a chalk year. The talented teams are the ones who wind up, you know, persevere. But again, mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, COVID could take a player or two or wipe an entire game or a couple games off the slate. We just don't know. But I think that things are positioned really well for this team. And like I said, they're going to have to, they might have to earn their keep at the end of the year from about Valentine's day on, but man, um, I mean, even early February on, you start out with Michigan State and Illinois at home. I just, it's going to be tough. But like you said, uh, this is a tough conference, and um, you win, you win more games than you lose, and you're going to be pretty good shape uh, come tournament time, getting through the Big Ten. So I like this team a lot, and it's, you know, they're going to be very young. They're going to be very talented next year, but very young. Uh, this year is a really nice blend of those program guys that have been around and some pretty exciting young players. So uh, I'm pumped, honestly. I'm ready for Wednesday, man. I, I'm excited. That's going to lead us right into Thanksgiving. That's that's going to be perfect. Feast week, let's, baby. Feast week. Yeah. Let's get into it. Chris, where can we find you on social media, man? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. Just mainly been doing my post-game videos for um, – Michigan football. I don't, I don't think I'm going to do basketball ones at least to start off, but you'll find updates there for my other podcasts and my uh, movie review channel on YouTube, which uh, I would like to get booted back up again. Hopefully <laughs> movies start being released again. That would be a, a nice place to start. You can follow my other show at locked on tigers. That's at locked on tigers on Twitter, uh, Monday through Friday doing uh daily podcast, talking uh, baseball news here in this off season. There's always stuff to talk about regarding free agency and how it impacts the boys in the English D. So please follow me on all those platforms. It would be much appreciated. Anthony, what about you, man? You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T broom. You know, you can get our shows and podcasts wherever you get uh, your audio content. If you like the basketball chat, uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Might have something new for you starting next week. Still working on that. Uh, again, check out our friends over at Home Field. Promo code BFMNB. Um, that's how we get a little bit of a little pat on the back. Uh, use that promo code. So uh, go get your shopping done. Support them. Support the site. Uh, support Michigan. So yeah, that's all I have this week. Uh, again, appreciate all your guys' time. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. As uh, we've talked about, please subscribe, rate, leave, uh, leave a review if you're listening on the podcast. A uh, big thank you to everyone who followed along on Twitch and, and was uh, active in the chat again. So much fun. I love being able to read all your stuff uh, as we do the show. It is uh, an absolute blast to be able to do that. For those of you listening on the podcast, join us every Monday night at 730 uh, for our live broadcast of the show on Twitch and and that'll about do it for us here. Uh, boys, have a good Thanksgiving. Can't wait to talk next week. A little football and basketball, man. Time to feast. Time to feast. For Chris Castellani and Anthony Broom, I'm Luke Yardy. We'll see you next week on Brewcast.